0: To that of which we know does not demand our love, but that of which we love requires us to know. My name is Pierce Drake. I'm one of the pastors here. And that phrase, and I'm going to say it a few times today, is really what I'm holding on to as we have been in this series called Pathways, looking at eight different ancient pathways to discover God, to know God, to move in relationship with Him, to grow in relationship with Him in our everyday life. Ten years ago this uh, April, this past April, I started dating uh, this girl at college. Called Her name was Claire Marie Moore. And it didn't take long, a few months into us dating. We'd been friends for a while and even had dated on and off for a little bit. Um, But it didn't take long in this last time of dating that I said those words. You know those words, I love you. Now, it's been 10 years since I said it to her for the first time. And I told her this morning when I left the house, I love you. And the words I love you today mean vastly different what I meant 10 years ago. It carries more richness, more intimacy, more uh, knowing each other. It, It carries weight to it. But it doesn't demean or diminish when I said I love you the first time 10 years ago. I have just grown in knowing who she is. And as I have grown in knowing who she is, I have fallen more madly in love with her. See, to, to know does not demand that we love, but to love requires that we know. And so looking at a relationship with Christ and with Jesus, am I saying that you need to know all there is to know about Jesus before you can declare that you love him? Well, no. And if that's, like, if that's the litmus test, then none of us get to ever say we love Christ because there's no end to knowing him. and so. But what I am saying, and what I think we're saying with this whole series in Pathways, is that if we are on a journey with Jesus, if we are, have followed him for decades upon decades, or if we're just beginning to be curious about who he is, what it does require of us is to grow in our knowing of who he is, to grow in this. And that's why we are using these ancient Pathways. See, To know something does not require us to love it, but that of which we love requires that we know. Okay, I'm not going to say the phrase for a while. I know I've already said it like three or four times and you're starting to get it, but let's actually look at some scripture this morning to start our time together. And what I want to look at is Jeremiah 6, 16. And the word says this, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Today, the ancient path that we're gonna look at and discover and talk about and learn and hopefully grow in is studying the scriptures, reading the scriptures. And here's what I know for so many of us, just hearing that, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bible today. There is like this uncomfortable knot, this queasiness maybe for so many of us that just kind of developed right now in your living room, in the car, as you're listening to me on your drive, because the Bible is a lot. It's, it's massive. It's, it's 66 books with of around 40 different authors, and the span of its writing from the time the first book was written to when the last book was written is approximately around 1,500 years. That's a lot. And where do we start for so many of us? That's just the general question. Like Where do we even start in reading it? Some of us, there are things in the Bible that are hard teachings and, and seem to contradict itself. And so that pulls us away from reading it. For some of us, there are some uh, just massive questions in life that reading the scriptures like unearths in us. And when it does, like that's, that's hard to walk through. And so if we don't ever open it, then we don't really have to engage with those hard questions. And for so many of us, there was a time and a place where somebody in our life use the Bible in a way of power and authority over us and hurt us with the scriptures. And that pain is real. That pain is true. And if that's you today, please just, I, I pray you hear my heart, this church's heart, this community's heart, that we are sorry that happened The word of God was never intended to bring shame upon somebody, to hurt others, to be wielded over others. No, the actual true intent of the scriptures, the the Bible was for God to know us and for us to know God in his fullness of character and nature and love and mercy and grace. And yes, it has been abused and been wielded in ways that it was never intended to do. And for so many of us, we have been on the receiving end of that hurt. And that requires repentance from those that have wielded it that way. But if that has been you, can I please tell you that it does not reflect the heart of God in giving us these holy scriptures. It's a gift for us. It's a gift for us. Jesus actually, when he was on the earth uh, 2,000 years ago for his, for his time with us, it, it, he was enriched and en- enveloped into the scriptures of his day, which were the Old Testament He loved them. He studied them. He quoted them. He abided in them and taught them. He even says this in Matthew 5, 17. He says, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. That was a way of saying like the whole Old Testament. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. I came to fulfill them. So what's my prayer today for us and our time together? My prayer today is that, for myself, for you, whether you have been walking with Jesus, curious about Jesus, or done way more walking with Jesus than I have in this part of my life, that God would ignite a fire within us, a holy fire within our souls for a desire for his word. Not to grow in our simple knowledge and to you know, just have all the stories memorized. No, no, no. That's part of it. But, but the purpose is to know him and to walk in relationship with him. And to, to, to grow in our understanding, because if that of which we love requires that we know. Corey Russell, uh, a pastor, says this. I love his, I love his language. He says, God's words, word is an in his invitation to be with him where he is. God's word is his invitation to be with him where he is. So that's the invite. That's the blessing of the scripture, to be with God where he is. I was a student pastor up until just recently, and for 13 years, I had the honor of, of being a youth pastor and walking kids and middle school and high school students through uh, their faith journey and in life. And so often I got asked the question, where do I begin reading scripture? And so often I love to point them to the book of John. It's a gospel writing that tells the story of Jesus' life, and this is where it begins. It begins here in this word. So here are these words from John 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That is how John starts his writing. And I even love how Eugene Peterson in the message translates those last few verses. He says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. True from start to finish. I love that. That He moved into the neighborhood with flesh on. God came to us. He was the word and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood with us. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be light. The word of God has power. And so in Genesis 1, where it said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Out of nothing came something so that the thing that was unseen could now be seen. Then later with Jesus, Jesus was the word and the word became flesh. That which was unseen in God now could be seen in who Jesus was, fully God and fully man. Later in John's writing, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus did life for those three years with these guys called the disciples. And one of them, his name was Philip. And in a conversation with Philip later in John's gospel, we read this. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip? Like I can hear, is a Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That which was unseen is now seen in Christ and who he is. This library of books that is rich with history and life and war and peace and lamentations and songs of praise, allegories and and, uh, parables, mystery and wonder, miraculous healings. All of this centers upon the person of Jesus. It centers on God, fully God, like God the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which we believe God is three persons with one nature. Scripture is opening up, and as what we already said. Corey Russell said, hey, God invites us with his scriptures to be with him where he is. In this book, this sacred book, is a way of us knowing Christ. St. Augustine said this, Um, In his book, Confessions, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. He's telling us that God made us for himself. And we are using these pathways to rest in who Christ is in our relationship with him. They're the avenue, obviously the path to deeper intimacy with God. So may we rest in thee. May we open and know that that's what we're invited to when we open these scriptures. So what's the first step? It's a great place to start, right? What's, what is the first step of reading this? Well, there is this book, um, uh, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster that all of us pastors are using. And we've invited you to kind of get your copy and read along with us as it walks through these pathways. And he says this about like beginning to study a book. beginning, And this could be for any book, but in our context today, we're talking about the scriptures. And he says this, I mean, we're teaching, right? So let me read a little bit. So when we read a book, three intrinsic and three existential rules govern our study. These intrinsic rules may, in the beginning, necessitate necessitate three separate readings, but in time can be done concurrently. The first reading involves understanding the book. What is the author saying? The second reading involves interpreting the book. What does the author mean? And the third reading involves evaluating the book. Is the author right or wrong? Most of us, and this is where I think the genius of what he's saying here is here, this. Most of us tend to do the third reading right away and often never do the first and second readings at all. We are given a critical analysis of a book before we understand what it says. So am I saying that you need to read the Bible three times? Yeah. And more. But there's no date time on it, right? I'm not asking that you read it by Friday completely or by next fall. Or, no, this is a lifelong invitation to reading the scriptures. And in an age of speculation and, and criticism, we often can do that with the Bible. We can criticize it and speculate what God was meaning through these scriptures before we've ever read the whole story and begin to understand it and begin to interpret it. So often a lot of that criticism comes in the lack of knowing the story and knowing the interpretation of it. And so we're invited into it. Don't let that be something that pushes us away from opening the scriptures, but let that be an invitation for you to come and to walk alongside and to journey and study these scriptures to know God more intimately and deeply in your relationship with him. It's a lifelong call. It's a lifelong journey. Because this is the truth that we can rest in, in this journey that there is no end to our knowing God, only deeper intimacy and love. There is no end to knowing God, only deeper intimacy and love with him. For that of which we know doesn't require our love, but that of which we love demands that we know. Last week, Pastor Jenny just did a beautiful job, her and the whole team of, of, of teaching us on the pathway of worship. And if you haven't checked that out, please, after today or sometime later with some family, friends, I invite you, if, if you can, sit down, watch it on our YouTube. It, it's an incredible message on worship. And what I love that she did and the team did is they set it up that we were made to worship. That That is the core identity and truth. And then they, she walked us through some practical ways. And so that's what I wanna do for us today. I wanna put us in this concept of understanding that the scriptures are a blessing to you and to me as a gateway to know our God more deeply and more intimately, to fall more madly in love with him. They're the gateway there. But there are some practices that we can put into place to begin to walk through that. But before we get into the practices, I just want us to remember, and this key that we remember, that the studying of scripture, and I've already mentioned this before, The studying of scripture is not so that we get a fat head and know the ins and outs of all the stories, but fail to know the one who it's about and who wrote it and who is it. But we use this pathway to grow in our understanding and relationship with Christ. So my, my prayer is that, that your hearts will burn within you as you read scripture and journey along with it, like the two disciples did on the road to Emmaus. And if you don't know that story, that is perfectly fine, but I invite you to check it out later. It's in Luke's gospel, chapter 24. So let's start with some of the ways that we can begin to study this scripture. The first is called, really simply, one verse. One verse. One verse taking one verse at a time. And the way that I have lived into this one verse practice is kind of in two areas. And I love to do this with my wife. I love to do this with a friend. Um, I love to just do this in, in community, but it's simply to read one verse at a time. And I, uh, recently what I've been doing is doing this with Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has like 175, 176 verses, somewhere around there. It's a long chapter in, in the book of Psalms. But if you do it every day, you actually go through it twice in a year. And so I've been going through it this year, one verse at a time. And so I take the verse and I read it and I begin to ponder it and to think about it. I can do this just in my head or I can journal. I have a lot of moleskins. I love the idea of journaling. I don't know if you call it that. I love the idea of journaling. I'm not that disciplined in it. So there's like moleskins with like, Ooh, writings all throughout them, and then 700 pages of nothing, and then I bought a new Moleskine. So I love the idea of journaling. So maybe you do it in your mind. Maybe you put it on a notebook, but, but, but you, you write out the scripture, and then you just begin to ponder and wonder, what does it mean? What does it think? And this is what I've been doing differently this year in the one verse kind of category of the practice, is I have been writing the verse back with the truth that it carries, but from my perspective. So I want to show you kind of what that looks like. Here's a verse that I did um, a few weeks ago. It's in Psalm 119. Uh, Like I said, I've been going through that Psalm, and this is verse 103. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So I, I walked through that, and this is what I wrote in my journal that day. Oh, how I long to taste and see that you are good, oh God. You are the table that I return to time and time again. And I pray that you continually stir in me the hunger for your word. That when I return to the table, I am met with a fresh, sweet encounter with you. I desire you, O God, more than I could imagine. And on the days that I find myself desiring other things more than you, bring me back to the sweetness of your word. I love that one verse. Another one is SOAP, it's an acronym. And it stands for a way of reading the scriptures. And I actually love to do this practice to read through a book of the Bible and kind of study it. So I'll do this like with a New Testament letter, maybe Ephesians or or Colossians, something like that, Um, maybe Romans. Anyway, the book doesn't matter. But what's great is like the writers and authors of the books of the Bible, they just kind of wrote, right? But in today's Bible, we have it broken up into sections and chapters and verses. And so what I'll do is I'll start at the beginning of a book and I will... um, I will take a section and I will read it. And that becomes my scripture. So I, again, the moleskin is sitting there on a good day. And I write part of the scripture that I've read, or maybe one verse that stuck out to me in the passage. And then O. O stands for observation. And so what's going on in the text? What is happening in this story in the Bible? Who's the characters? Is there tension in the text? What, all that, like I'm writing all of that down as much as I can. And then next comes the A, the application. So I've read the scripture. I've observed what's happening here. Now, how do I apply this to my life right here, right now on a Sunday afternoon or a Tuesday afternoon or a Thursday evening? How do I apply it to my life? And then finally, the P in SOAP stands for prayer. And I will write out a little prayer. And there's no determination of like how long this should be or how long this should last. Again, on my good days in my moleskin collection, it is one page. It's just one page there. Um, But it's the time that I can process it out. Another one is one that's actually a lot older than most of these, and it's Lectia Divina. Lectia Divina is this old ancient pathway where soap is more about studying the scripture uh, the way I've had it taught to me is, is, is this is a way of being with the Scripture and with God. And for the Holy Spirit as, is involved in all of this, but inviting the Holy Spirit to be with you in this reading. And it has five movements. So the first movement is uh, prepare to meet with God, preparing to meet with God. And that's, you're going to find that's in all these pathways that we're having. Worship and solitude and fasting and reading Scripture and the ones to come preparing to meet with God. And then comes our reading that we're reading for that day is a second movement. So we'll read it. And a lot of times in this practice, we'll read it multiple times, two, three, four times over, slowly thinking about the words that come to mind when you read it. Then the third movement in this one is reflection. So God, again, what are we reflecting? What are we thinking about? What is, what's speaking to us from these scriptures? The fourth movement is response. Is response. How do we respond to this? We can write it out. We can talk it. We can be in community together. And then five, and I love this one, we just rest. Back to St. Augustine's uh, quote, like we rest in who Christ is and what we have learned about Christ through the reading of his scripture. So those are a few of them. Another one is uh, commentaries. And commentaries are written by people a lot smarter than me who spend their life deeply, deeply studying the Scriptures. And, and when they do that, uh, they, they make these commentaries that break down the, the, the context of the Scripture and the cultural relevance. And, and John was talking about this, and it actually is referencing this passage in Isaiah when Jesus said this. And so it's a great way to begin to understand kind of the deeper underlevels of Scripture. And one of the ones that I've used over the last probably year and a half is This one is called Wesley's, Wesley One Volume Commentary, and, uh, and we come from the Wesleyan tradition in the Methodist Church, and this wasn't written by Wesley, um, but some Wesleyan scholars, and it's the whole Bible. So it's just this one book, and you can open it, and you can be in Ezekiel and hear about what's happening deeper than just what's written on the words of the pages of the Bible, so that you know God more fully. I love, this. I love this book. I love this commentary. And I've actually given it as gifts more than, well, I've never given, gifted a commentary other than this one, but it's, it's a great one to, to grab. So check those out. Two more really quickly as we close. One is memorization. Now I don't know what memorization pulls up for you, maybe some childhood like biology class with like notes um on a, a little note card with answers and et cetera but but memorization is a powerful way that that we can abide in the scripture and that the scripture can abide in us. I remember being in fourth or fifth grade, somewhere around there. And I lived in Boston, Georgia. You didn't even know that town existed. And I lived in Boston, Georgia, and my dad was a pastor there. But there were no other kids at our church. And I would go to the Baptist church on the corner on Wednesday nights. And I still remember memorizing Psalm 1 as a fourth or fifth grader, somewhere in there. And how many times in my life that I have called that up within me for what God has had for me. So memorization. And finally, large readings of Scripture. And this one's simple. You just read large portions of scripture. And it's beautiful to do this with, in community, maybe after dinner with some friends around the table, to read a whole book of the Bible, maybe one of those New Testament uh, books, uh, Philippians, Colossians, one of Paul's letters maybe. But it's a way to hear the ebbs and flows of the Bible, of that scripture, of that story, to hear God's heart at a 30,000 foot viewpoint um, and to be able to do that together. These are just some of the practices, not all of those, that you could use to study the scripture. For that of which we know doesn't require our love, but that of which we love demands that we know. So here's how I want to end today. I want to put one of these practices to use. I want to actually do one of these practices together with you. And so I want to take the book of Ephesians, and I'm not going to read the whole book don't worry. But I'm not going to read just three or four verses either. I'm going I'm to read. It's going to take me about two minutes, a little over two minutes, to read this scripture to us as a way of hearing the word of God. So let me pray for us as we begin this time, kind of, again, centering our hearts, preparing to hear the word. Um, and I'm actually going to read some scripture as our prayer. So let me pray for us. God, you said in the beginning, let there be light and there was light and it was good. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word of God put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Your words are sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey on my lips. So God, be with us. Your children are listening. In your name we pray. Amen before I read. There used to be this thing that we did in church growing up, and we would stand for the reading of the word. It was a way of honoring God's word. It was a way of honoring um, the gift that had been given to us. So I'm going to, in your car, don't stand up in your car. In your living room, in your kitchen, wherever you are, I'm just inviting you, stand with me as we listen, as a way of, again, posturing ourselves to hear God's word. Hear the reading of God's word. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15. and the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, Who feels everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit who is now at work in all those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiworks, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.